The Spectator combines incisive political analysis with books and arts reviews of unrivaled authority. Subscribe today for just £12 and receive a 12-week subscription in print and online, and get a £20 Amazon gift voucher absolutely free. Go to spectator.co.uk slash summer. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. Joining us today is Fraser Nelson and Katie Pauls to discuss those three by-election results. Katie, it's a bit of a mixed picture. All three main parties won a seat last night. Tell us about it. Yes, there's something for everyone, uh, is I think the sense this morning, um, that we can debate really how much. If you're looking at the free by-elections, I think the top line is that Rishi Sunak has managed to avoid a triple by-election defeat. And that is because the Tories have clung on in Uxbridge, where the majority was 7,210. That's now been reduced to just 495 votes, but it means Labour fell short. And I think because expectations were almost um, so low for the Tories, and it was this sense speaking to both Labour and Tories that they were that the Tories were on course to lose all three. That is an upset for Keir Starmer. And I'm sure we'll talk uh, later about whether that's all to do with Ulez, what it suggests um, you know, in terms of transferring it to an election. Much less good news was Selby and Aitzi and Somerton and Froome. In Selby, you had the Labour overturn a majority of 20,137. I think historically, that's the largest post-war majority that they have um, overturned in a by-election. And... This was also the seat that initially the Tories were the most optimistic they could try to hold. I think that optimism quickly faded when MPs went to the constituency and tried to campaign there because it was seen as a safe seat. They were lacking quite a lot of data in terms of how to campaign there. And you quite quickly got the sense, uh, which we talked about previously on the podcast, in Uxbridge, they were getting a much better reception, even though it was the smallest majority of the three. Then Summerton and Froome, uh, the Liberal Democrats, I think, have had a very good night. You have a situation where Ed Davey is saying, you know, we need a bigger tractor after they initially had one to show they were going to demolish the blue wall. And they've overturned a majority of 19,000 and also have a, a pretty big majority themselves now in that seat. So... I think this was also the seat where the Tories were the most pessimistic going into it. It's worth remembering that all three of these by-elections were effectively sparked by Tories behaving badly or having tantrums about peerages. And in Sumpton and Froome, that is a Tory MP who was effectively um, facing drug allegations. Um, The circumstances were therefore not very good for for fighting it if if you're the Tories. It's always a bit hard to read from a by-election what necessarily that means in a general election. The vote swings confirm while they're in the polls, which is the Tories are heading to a big defeat. But I think the fact that um, you do have the Uxbridge upset in some ways for Labour will just probably keep the Tories a bit more united in the coming days, their famous last words. Um, and I think for Summerton and Froome, it's just adding to the sense that the Liberal Democrats, yes, they're clocking up lots of by-election results and local election success, but and people say, well, that can't be re- replicated in general election. But I think it does show that the Liberal Democrats are looking pretty well posed in the South West and the Blue Wall to increase their number of MPs come the next election. Fraser, what's your reaction to all this? Well, as ever with by-elections, it's hard to read too much of a national swing into the pictures. I mean, if there was a national swing of the size of Selby, then Keir Starmer would be in course for a, a bigger majority than Tony Blair won in 1997. But let's, um, if you take, for example, Somerset and Froome, and when Sarah Dyke won that, in her victory speech, she was thanking the Labour and the Green supporters who lent their votes to her. In other words, pretty much um, yeah, accepting that this was a by-election freak. People just basically, it was an anti-Tory tactical vote. In a way, you don't see these things quite 
quite so much in the general election. To me, the most significant trend was the rebellion against Ulez in Uxbridge. Now, to see the Tories hold on to that makes you wonder what would have happened if Boris Johnson hadn't bolted? What would have happened if he'd actually stood there, remained, waited for a challenge and then fought in that seat? And he'd fought on an anti-Ulez ticket as, as the Tory candidate did. I think Boris Johnson would probably have kept his seat and just think how embarrassing that would have been for Rishi Sunak. Three by-elections, but the only victorious candidate would be Boris Johnson. So I think that the former Prime Minister um, might be feeling a little bit sad today that he didn't have the courage to face the voters and let the voters decide his fate. After all, he was complaining about parliamentary witch hunts. But I think that the um, the ULES factor is striking to see Angela Rayner, Labour Deputy Leader, uh, Steve Reid, other Labour frontbenchers who are basically saying it was ULES what won it for the Tories. That the decision to impose these, these green taxes on cars, Sadiq Khan's overreach, is now leading to a palpable reaction amongst Labour core voters. So now we can see, as the cover of this week's Spectator explains, a motorist rebellion. This is a kind of pushback against net zero, which for a long time has been an abstract for- formula. Now it's coming to bite. People are thinking, how am I really going to afford this extra tax on my car? And they think it's just too much. So we can now see Labour back away from a green policy adopted by a, a Labour mayor of London. I think that might be a trend, and it wouldn't surprise me if Labour actually back away from net zero a bit more than the Conservatives do in coming months, because it seems that this is going to be a major variable when it comes to winning the Red Wall votes. Katie, how much hope should the Conservatives glean from the Uxbridge result? I mean, surely it shows you can get an issue, you can get the local voters wind up about it, you can try and maximise it for votes, but Labour's going to do everything they can here to try and stop those issues coming up in the next 18 months or so. Yeah, I think there are two ways of looking at it. The first is that you you look at the two other by-elections, very large swings that was if you had the swing in Selby at a general election spread across, that would put Labour in a better position than in 1997. So it's hard to escape the fact that, you know, these are really bad losses elsewhere. And therefore, is it just Ulez and a a single issue that has saved them in the seat? And therefore, can you overread? But the other way to look at it, I think, is in a way... In Oxford, you had a situation where a Labour policy, so actually having to think about the option of Labour in power is what seems to have allowed the Tories to cling on. And as you get closer to a general election, yes, Labour will probably lead a very risk-averse campaign, as we've seen, and and not pledge too much. But as you get closer to an election, there'll be lots of things where um, the Tories can say, vote Labour and you'll get this, vote Labour and there's this risk. And therefore, I think it does uh, potentially offer a little bit of hope that if you, you know, in the midst of a campaign, rather than we're all very annoyed at the government, look at everything that's happened, um, the Tories could have a bit more of a chance. I think that if you are a Tory MP, it's probably worse for you that what was once a safe seat for a majority over 20,000 can go just like that. They'll be hoping to try and get Selby back. But I think... The Uxbridge win is very helpful to the Tories, at least in terms of trying to dispel this narrative, because you now have a situation where, you know, just it's just 
really obvious things, such as the fact that you're not going to have every paper saying that Rishi Sunak has gone down in history and, you know, the, the first for decades to lose free by-elections. And therefore, I think it just gives those who want to walk back from the edge a bit something to to try and motivate them with and a little bit of hope. And, and I do agree with Fraser, there's a good chance perhaps Boris Johnson could have won it. And that would have been truly awful for Rishi Sunak if he'd lost two. And I've said it shows that Boris Johnson is an election winner, but that hasn't happened here. And the candidate didn't mention Rishi Sunak, I don't think much at all in any of his uh, flyers or interviews. So it's not a vote on Rishi Sunak, but it does suggest that there is, you know, something there, which is, you know, stopping Labour from going all the way. Yeah, I mean, the challenge for Labour last night was trying to take three by-elections uh, on a single note, which is the first time since 1968. And that's a kind of nice historical analogy with what was happening, really, because that was 1966 was a Labour with a government with a, a working majority going to a Conservative government in 1970. And that's the challenge of the scale facing Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer's doing a good job of addressing that, isn't he, Fraser? Um, well, I guess Starmer is on course to win a significant majority at the next general election. I mean, taken as a piece, that's what these three by-elections tell us. They are consistent with the idea, as Katie says in her political column this week, that Labour is a party with a 20-point lead a little more than a year from a general election. Now, governments tend not to come back from being 20 points behind in the polls in, in such a level. And this, the momentum which Rishi Sunak had been winning so far this year um, seems to have run out. And what we didn't hear, by the way, from any Tory candidate in any by-election was talking about Rishi Sunak's five tests and how important they were. And, you know, as an agenda, that seems to almost have died already, only halfway through the year. So I think we, we, we can see this is, well, these things together are consistent with the idea that the Tories have, the, what they hoped would be the get-out-of-jail message this year isn't really working, and they're they're looking at local issues. Uh, but but the other thing we should mention, by the way, is that Uxbridge is the the win. Although, albeit we're talking by absolute gossamer thread, the win like five hundred odd votes is offers them a glimmer of hope. That is not necessarily the case that they are doomed everywhere in the M25. There had been this idea that London was now a Tory-free zone. Any any candidate who stood anywhere near London. Uh, was doomed to fail. Well, there is a way out, thanks, of course, to Sadiq Khan. So let's see. Um, I think Khan might now be under pressure from Labour HQ to mollify his policy at a time where we're seeing, um, you know, it talks about ULEZ cameras, which are now starting to crop up in London, being vandalised, uh, leading to some talk of the prospect of French-style protests against them. So I think we might see some movement on that front. But overall, there isn't much here to make the Tories change their mind if they had thought they're in for a pretty significant drubbing at the next election. Yeah, I think that if I were sitting in CCHQ looking at these results, I do think actually the one that perhaps should be the most worrying is is what's happened in Summerton and Froome, where the Liberal Democrats have consistently obviously done well in lots of by-elections, local election results, and the blue wall has been looking as though where they're aiming if they can also make significant inroads in the southwest, um, if you think back to where they were pre the 2015 election, you can start to see how um, the Tories could be pretty squeezed um, in terms of, you know, where, where are their safer seats? And I remember people would often talk about um, in previous, had so many recent elections, you know, Jacob Rees-Mogg could lose his seat as one of those, you know, southwest seats. And I just think it's probably going to, some of those MPs who often hear they're in danger and actually it's never really come to pass in the past two elections. This is a sign that perhaps this time around it really could be becoming a bit more serious. 
Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.